Many people say that music is a universal language. If that's the case, I would like to use music as a platform to talk about health. My name is Dr. Moshe Lewis, and I'm a full-time practicing physician who loves music and the way it affects our brains, our bodies, and our well-being. We'll be discussing topics that affect all of us, from mental health to body image, cancer screening to stroke. Our health is truly our greatest asset. Hopefully, these discussions will improve the health of our community. Welcome to Music and Medicine. I'm your host, Dr. Moshe Lewis. I am so ecstatic to be talking to Anthony Faulkner today. This is an interview we have been looking forward to for months. We have played catch-up tag, phone tag, studio tag, and now we have actually pinned him down and gotten him in the place to be, which is here on Music and Medicine. What makes Anthony phenomenal and with an incredible story to share is that beyond just being a Christian, he lives what he sings about. And you really feel the passion in his voice. He has had the chance to explore the world. And I feel like we've been able to travel there with him, but, but maybe some of you haven't. And so today we really wanted to take some time to kind of deconstruct the sound, talk about what he has accomplished and also what he does as he spreads his ministry and the Lord's word across the country and across the globe. So, Anthony, welcome. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be here. Delighted. I'm going to kind of roll back that clock like we always talk about and talk about your childhood and, and some of your upbringing, things like that, because I know that it really kind of shapes who you are and, and it's a different story. And, and to kind of sort of set the tempo, I myself was adopted and had a very uh, tumultuous beginning, to say the least. And so um, hopefully that'll be a little disarming. What was it like kind of when you were growing up and, and some of those early experiences that you went through? Well, grew up family of seven kids. I'm the second eldest and grew up in church. Uh, we were one of the poorest families in the church. So we were constantly receiving assistance, you know, which I was forever grateful for, for those people who, you know, reached down to, you know, help lift us up. Uh, but it was quite challenging because, you know, we weren't able to do a lot of the things that we saw other people at school do or even at church. So it was kind of, um, you know, just make the best of what we have and, you know, utilize your time. So I spent a lot of time daydreaming and envisioning other things in life, like in the future, like, okay, well, one day I'll be able to do this and I can do that. But currently I'm here in this situation, so I just have to deal with it. So um, there were, um, being older now, there were moments of meltdowns and depression and things of that nature that I couldn't identify with as a kid because we weren't taught to identify with those things. We just have to de deal with it, push through. And um, it, it was very, quite challenging. Sure. And I know there was a lot of um, angst sometimes even that you felt you were going through uh, growing up uh, with your parents. Do you feel like there was someone that really kind of lent that, that helping hand and that support and really sort of in the family sort of took you under their wing and kind of started to help open up your um, outlook and your perspective? I, I would say that there is. Um, there's one particular person in, in, uh, that comes to mind, which is Angela Winbush. And Angela Winbush, I would say, is one of my guardian angels. I didn't know who she was. I didn't know who she was. And I would always see her at church, but I was just like, who is that lady? And then I would always say, who is that man with her? Because they, they stuck out because they, you know, they look like 
fame and just, you know, fortune and just what I wanted to aspire to be. So it wasn't until um, I was at home one day and this commercial came on and it was for the Soul Train Music Awards. And um, I, I was just so excited. Well, let me back up. Before that happened, Angela came up to me one day at church and said, hey, my name is Sister Angela. What's your name? And I was like, oh, Tony. And she asked me one simple question and it was, do you like music? And I said, yes. I didn't know. I just, yes is the answer. So she challenged me to play an instrument, went to school, played saxophone, didn't work, then came back. She came to me again, asked how I was going. I said, not well. She said, well, play something else. So then I started playing piano. Life is hard, but finding a really great podcast makes the days go by so much easier. Hi, my name is Blue Toulousma. I'm a writer, an emotional intelligence coach, and the host of Humanize with Blue Toulousma, a podcast where we believe that when you humanize everyone in the room, a great conversation is almost guaranteed. Join us every week here on Electricast as me and my guest co-hosts unpack big topics and interview even bigger personalities with a sense of humor and a dash of mischief. If you're looking for a new best friend in your head, we've got you covered. And, you know, today I can play some chords and things to write my songs, but I'll never play for you. So, so it wasn't until um, I saw the commercial and it was a, a tribute to Gladys Knight. And then I saw her on the stage. And then I saw the guy with her on the stage. I was like, mommy, that's the lady right there that I've been seeing at church that's been telling me to do all these music things. My mother just thought I had this big epiphany one day and wanted to just play instruments. Um, and then that's when I realized it was Angela Winbush and Ronald Isley. So from there, the wheels just started turning because I was like, you know, well, if she has, if she sings this, what else does she do? Then that's when I started the research of Renee and Angela and then found out who the Isley brothers were. So I have all this, this, this history that's in front of me and I was able to go to them and, you know, I probably bugged them more than anything because I was nine years old at the time and I was just enamored with what they were accomplishing in the world. And I just knew that I wanted to do that. So from there, I just started the process of um, figuring out how to make life better uh, a lot of trial and error errors, but uh, you know, I've, I've managed to overcome a lot of those obstacles. Sure. That's amazing. I mean, certainly to be able to develop a friendship and, and certainly very innocently because uh, like you said, she approached you at first. Let's talk a little bit about sort of just developing what your sound would be and also just going into um, your style of music. Do you feel because the church really was a refuge and sort of the place that you knew that it seemed sort of a natural progression into, into Christian music? No, because my original goal was to sing secular music. I wanted to sing R&B music because that's what my foundation was. Angela Wimbush and the Isley Brothers. But mm -hmm. lo and behold, they have a church background. So it's kind of uh, all rolled up in one, you know. So it took some time for me to grapple with what I wanted to do. And then I had to go through this spiritual awakening as to who was God to me, you know, I've been taught all these things, but do I necessarily believe those exact things? So I need some proof. So then I started going on my journey of spirituality and um, it's been an amazing experience still going through it, you know, um, but I will say that I'm free, I'm clear, 
I know the direction I'm headed in for my path in life, um, and I'm on that journey. So within all that, I've always wanted to do inspirational music. Um, so it encompasses R&B, it encompasses jazz, it encompasses gospel, it encompasses world music. So um, that's why I have the, um, the title International Recording Artist, which kind of encompasses a lot of the music that I have out there in the world today. Sure. No, absolutely. And I wanted to tease that out a little bit because um, you're very poetic about it. I wanted to just have you talk a little bit about that struggle to the extent that you perceived it, because so many artists do. It's not necessarily a question of right or wrong. It's kind of where your heart leads you and, and certainly where the Lord may lead you. But often we do see that many times uh, people in the church don't want someone to go um, and sing secular music. Some of our greatest artists, and you've named some, and we know they're, right. they're artists that are great, struggle with this. Um, Al Green, Aretha Franklin, um, really may find that they're almost uh, being held back or, or even chastised. Um, yet you also brought up the point of how I actually come into knowing this is what I want to do. So just talk to me a little bit about sort of either where you may have had an epiphany moment or something really just struck your heart to say, okay, here's how I can be um, international in scope, but yet still have a, a penchant towards things that are, that are uplifting and, as you said, inspirational. Right. Well, one of the things that was quite confusing to me is doing the process of evolution. Um, okay, you're not supposed to do this, but those that did do it and became successful, they were embraced and the red carpet was rolled out in front of them. So to me, I'm like, how do I balance out this massive contradiction? How? Because it didn't make any sense to me. So I'm still trying to process this and then this over here and then i just had to just come to terms with create your own lane stay in your own lane and be authentic authentically you and i've learned to cancel out the noise you know i've become immune to rejection everybody's not going to like what i do and i don't expect everybody to like what i do so that gives me a peace of mind and comfort in my soul to know that you know I've traveled to six continents because I didn't let the people who didn't like my voice, didn't like how I sang or write or wrote or, or, or any of that or presented myself on stage to prevent me from moving forward. So if I had, I, we probably wouldn't be here today. So I'm just grateful for being able to have endurance and push through all that rejection and become immune to it. Sure. Let's talk about some of the um, early music and some of the early songs you did. And um, if something springs to mind that you'd love for us to, to listen to, call that out. I want to just hear sort of about just putting together that, that first you know, few songs or that first album and, and just some of the, the work literally went into doing that. Because like you said, you had some um, experience, not only the church, but some with instruments. And going from there to actually doing a song is a tremendous leap. And many times our viewers want to understand, how do I kind of pull it all together and, and get a product? Um, <laughs> as opposed to dream. I love that question. And it's kind of a little journey I'm going to take you on. But I, I learned what not to do by watching a lot of the greats that I had the opportunity to work with. 
For example, my very first international trip was to Ghana, Africa with gospel legend Andre Crouch, rest in peace. Um, I was able to travel Europe singing with gospel legend Ricky Grundy, rest in peace. Um, So I was able to watch that process, watch the management, watch the booking agents, watch the road managers, watch all of those units move to make this one big conglomerate. Well, I need to fast forward because I had a big epiphany moment uh, just last week when I was in Poland. So seconds before I was to go on stage, I had almost this meltdown because I remember my subconscious had brought to me, brought back to me when I was on stage with Andre Crouch, I remember saying, wow, one day this is going to be me and people are going to come to hear me sing and appreciate what I have to offer. And in Poland, it just, it finally hit. And granted, that wasn't my first time doing a a major show or anything, but I was finally available mentally to receive what I've worked so hard to aspire after. So it was like one of those full circle moments. Um, So I I just wanted to do it. So um, to write the songs, okay, so I'm working... Remember, I started out R&B. So I have to give credit to um, uh, Greg Morrison and um, Don Mosley. They had a company called um, I Am Entertainment in Los Angeles. And I was right out of high school. Greg and I went to church together too, Don as well. And we started working on some music. So I was one of the artists on the label. We was doing shows around the city. Like I was really moving and shaking in the city of my R&B lane. Right. So... I don't know if you remember the show, The Cut, with Lisa Lefta Lopez on oh, MTV. Yeah. Yes. I was on that, I think, the first episode. Right. Oh, so wow. that was my very first time having published works on TV. And that song was called What About Me? So from there, I started just, you know, the grind just continued. And I was just hustling and hustling, meaning how can I perfect the sound? How can I evolve the sound? What is current that I can compete with, but yet still remain authentic within my realm? So that's always been a battle within creating music because I needed to be competitive, but yet authentic. Um, And, you know, none of my songs sound like anything that you've heard, but yet when they're played in playlists on major networks, it kind of flows. And that's a huge um, comp, um, achievement in, in my space. But the sound continues to evolve. Um, I would say that I have a, a world sound. Um, it's different. Um, I'm happy about that. You know, you, you hear my voice, you know it's Anthony Faulkner. So, um, so the sound continues to evolve and I have new music coming out. I have about um, 10 songs in the pipeline now due to COVID that's been on hold that'll be dropping um, in the next year in various countries overseas. Sure. Well, that's one of the reasons I wanted to sort of catch up with you because I know you travel a lot and it's going to be a very, very big year. And I think we're all looking forward to kind of getting out from under COVID and and being able to spread our wings. Um, But we have to run back a little bit. So let's go to Poland and that crystallizing moment. And like you said, it may not have been the first. And I think I can hear 
a few artists really being able to to capture or remember it. Um, just sort of take us through that feeling again, because I think this is one of those big challenges where, as you said, you you really almost caught yourself or found that it was maybe even a sense of, of deja vu. I had been here with someone else and now they had gone on before me, but it was me who was prepped for this moment right. and to be able to, like you said, I love that word, receive the adoration, receive the pressure, but also um, stand up and sort of take your your uh, cue to really come out on stage and perform. Just talk to us a little bit about sort of the validation, if I had to find a word, that an artist yeah. experiences when you know that people are aware of who you are and, and come with anticipation, but also with, with appreciation for the art that you bring to them. Yes, the moment was quite defining for me. For one, I was in Poland and probably 99.9 of the audience may not have ever encountered my type of music. So therefore it was a, a, a learning experience for the people that were in the audience and it was received very well. Um, there is a lot of pressure that comes along with carrying the mantle of representing, you know, for one, my race, for one, professionalism, two, uh, integrity, three, excellence in the work that I do, you know, and knowing that whoever comes behind me to Poland, that there is a, a standard set for them to receive and also to give. Um, I don't believe in burning bridges. Um, it, it was uh, <laughs> overwhelming. It's almost like um, a blender. You know, you put things in the blender, you put the blender on and everything is spinning up at the same time to become smooth. That's exactly how the emotions were within the split second of, okay, Anthony, catch yourself. They're about to call you to go on stage. But it, it just brought back um, just how hard I've been grinding and working for years that people may never know. You know, I've been to so many countries. People may never know. Um, and then also processing, okay, well, I really need to find um, a publicist in marketing that can get the story out there. So, you know, there's, there's working on... A, a biopic working on a reality show, you know, but it's like, before I leave this earth, I really need to get all this out to help other people that are independent artists know that you don't have to go through the mainstream uh, way to have the big engine, although the big engine is incredible, but you're going to have to work 50 times harder to be the, the engine that could and did. Sure. Now I think it's a great time for us to just take a second to um, listen to one song. I'm going to let you set it up and then um, and then let our viewers just begin to hear you know, some of some of your sound if they don't already know you. <laughs> yes, I would like to um, debut my song Closer, uh, which features my mentor, the incomparable R&B legend, Angela Wendell. About just sort of being international. It's something that I think a few people aspire to, and I'm not saying that in a negative way. It's a big undertaking, literally, just to travel, work out the logistics, um, put together a performance. But the concept of really being appreciated in different parts of the world 
requires a tremendous amount of work. Tell us about how some of that sort of came about. It sounds like some of it was um, through the mentorship of being able to travel overseas with 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 greats. Um, but clearly they've moved on and so have you, and now you've continued that mantle. But just tell us not only about why it's important to you, but just how sort of putting this together and deciding where to go and when, especially since so many of your travels have taken you to so many different places. Uh, absolutely. It's important to me because it's almost like the impossible dream is being fulfilled in front of me. And I have to constantly keep myself aware that you're in reality, you're not in the future. But then that's where faith comes into play. And that's when, you know, faith of a mustard seed and uh, speaking those things um, as they are, although they're not right now. You know, so it's kind of like, again, a balancing act of staying in reality versus how much do I press forward and believe without going bankrupt, without becoming homeless, without making sure my bills are paid. Like I've struggled with that for years because I'm like, I got to just, this may be the big, big kaboom, you know, but as long as the, the car is running, you're okay. <laughs> you may never have a big kaboom because for me, I have pockets of success all over the globe, you know, and I'm still hoping that there may be this big kaboom where I could, you know, the net has been thrown out to sea and I'm slowly trying to pull it all in. So it is one big kaboom. If it never happens, trust me, I've lived a very fulfilling life. Um, but the process of um, being able to travel overseas requires, okay, well, this, I could do a masterclass on this. You have to be business-minded for one. That's if you want to carry the mantle yourself. Otherwise, you're going to have all these other people, managers, bookies, and all those things that all take out of your pocket. I'm all about um, trying to keep as much as possible. So I've, again, I've, I've watched, I've learned and I perfected through trial and error as to how to maneuver and make things happen. But you have to be also open to different cultures. You know, you can't come with a with an American mentality or uh, of entitlement. And I say that because you know America is the greatest country on this earth. Let's be very clear. That's what I hold in my heart. But sometimes when people travel, they're not necessarily prepared for how other countries operate and maneuver. And sometimes you got to take a step back, um, take a deep breath and understand that there's, you have to be aware of the cultural differences and be um, open to being <laughs> exposed to that type of culture and not making people think that your way is the only right way. So I learned that trial and error and I again I don't burn any bridges I'm very transparent open about what the um the end result is so you have to be also a mastermind of negotiation so there are no stones left unturned because you could go into a meeting and say okay I want the banner to be blue and you may say okay I told him what I wanted and then when it comes time for things to happen Someone may think that you want the two colors that make blue, right. or you may want blue with the hint of gold because it's really going to pop 
were purple with warranty. So, you know, <laughs> you have to be, you have to kind of be ahead of the game and make sure that um, your project management skills are on task and also realize how to recoup everything that you need to recoup once you've made the investment. Because I do a lot of investments on my own show sometimes in different countries and I kind of know how that formula runs. So you have to be open-minded and be willing to learn and grow. And sometimes you just have to walk away. Sometimes if you've done wrong and you haven't concluded business correctly, sometimes you may just have to say, I had to take this one for the team. I know better next time. Sure. Well, I appreciate that candor and honesty because I think that's one of the biggest challenges is really not necessarily knowing and or always hoping that if ever else comes and helps you through the process it'll work out for you financially when they're going to make sure they get theirs and you may be the last person who gets paid if at all and that's something that i hear from the musicians as well really appreciative for certain opportunities but at the end of the day um, everybody has responsibilities and um and the talent really and does deserve to to be paid and and not necessarily always be paid last um now it's a good time to listen to yet another song that you have that you can set up for us um, that really means a lot to you. And um, I think I know what it's going to be, but uh, I'll let you tell us a little bit about it. Okay. This next song I'd like to introduce is um, titled You Are Amazing. And this song is very special to me because I wrote it actually during an election cycle uh, when there was a lot of chaos and turmoil and things going on. Um, and I also had the honor and privilege to go to uh, Paris and Grenoble, France, and film this video in the mountains of Grenoble, France, with director Piero Battery. And I'm telling you, that was a life-changing experience to be on the mountain. Um, and literally, I was on top of the mountain. <laughs> and how high is that mountain? Is that curiosity before we get going into it? Too high. So I'm going to do it again. <laughs> I'd be a different mountain next time. Like as I say, some mountains are high enough. So no, definitely looking forward to hearing this. This is so exciting. Another aspect that I also wanted to tease out because it comes across in your personality and your music, and that is really achieving a sense of peace and calm despite understanding that not everything in life goes correct and there are ups and downs. Just talk to us about sort of how you maintain that, not only in terms of your stage presence, but just in terms of your personality and, and how you sort of encourage others in that same vein, because we all can be plagued by self-doubt, a fear, criticism, a rejection. And um, walking through that is, is a challenge that uh, you don't have to be a superstar to uh, face that potentially on the job, uh, in your life, and um, you know, abroad, and certainly even you know, at home. Right. Um, I totally agree with you. Uh, people can be brutal, and people can be mean. And I also believe that people are afraid of things that they may not understand. And sometimes that could be in the form of music or artistry. Um, so I had to come to the place of, I don't care if anybody likes my music. I just have to get it out there. So I, I wouldn't say that it's completely, el I've eliminated the whole stage fright. Because um, actually, I, I have social anxiety that people may not know. But it's a different space when I'm stepping on stage to say, okay, I want to give myself to 
uh, inspire whomever is listening to my music or just brighten somebody else's day because that's what happened to me. So it's almost like using the negative reinforcement as fuel to feed the positive side of me. Um, and I, I believe that you have to come to a certain peace within yourself in order to really reach people, you know, cause there was a point in time where I would always sing with my eyes closed. I don't do that anymore because I'm like, I really want to connect with individuals in the audience so they could see me and not only feel me because you're going to feel me when I sing, but I want you to see me and know that I'm making contact with you and I see you, you know, cause that may be what somebody needs. Cause that's what I've needed certain times when I've gone to different shows and things of that nature, but it's, it's drawing yourself in. Um, I sometimes take little mental breaks, um, work, work, work all the time, but sometimes I have to sneak away maybe for a day or weekend somewhere just to regroup. Um, although I don't always turn it all the way off, I have to sometimes condition myself to say, look, you're about to run into a wall mentally. So back up a little bit. It's okay. Life's not going to unravel in the next few hours. So take this time to kind of refocus and then I'll take a little break and then I'll come back and hit it even harder. Sure. Well, the show's called Music and Medicine, and you kind of gave us some pearls uh, even before we fully got into it. Um, anxiety, we know, is something that all of us probably have some element of in terms of needing a little bit of up and go or flight or flight to be able to yeah. fight or flight to be able to get started with our day and move forward. But it does have that ability to really sort of crystallize in such a way that it can be hampering. And I wanted to sort of go through some of those wonderful skills that you throughout there and that time experience and also confidence seem to have brought you. Um, you talked about being um, careful to not close your eyes anymore um, so that you could literally see your audience. Um, I think people may find it paradoxical that someone who wants to get music out and wants to be on an international stage and has traveled and worked with some you know, of the greatest artists out there um, could actually still be afraid. Um, Talk to us a little bit about your sense of where some of it may come from, but also uh, how you have walked through that journey of, of understanding that, that it's something that can be conquered, even though maybe it can't be completely cured. Yes, I would love to. Um, as a child, I was always reinforced with negative thoughts, negative energy, um, just tons of negativity. Although I grew up in the church, that's all I got, you know, once I left that space. So it was, you know, what people, I've never said this, shared this before, but I used to be petrified to walk across the street because people were looking at me and I'm like, oh my God, everyone's looking at me. So I didn't want to walk across the street. But there comes a certain point that the sidewalk is still there. And if you don't move, you're going to be paralyzed in that same position. So I've learned to not let fear uh, navigate what I need to accomplish. Although it may still be there to a degree, I, I don't let it take complete control because that's destructive. Um, and I, I learned it at, a, at an early age that, you know, sometimes you just have to bite the bullet and pull everything from within myself and just push through. Um, it also can become isolating because if you don't, want negative energy well i said i don't want negative energy i don't necessarily expand myself to a lot of people 
And that's something that I, I am very aware of now. I'm very protective of my space and the positive energy that is, is needed in order for me to flourish as I have in a very positive light. So I'm all light, love, positivity. That's who I am. So you have to be very mindful of all the naysayers in your life because you can't share your, well, I'll make it personal. I can't share all of my dreams and thoughts with people because everyone's not going to understand it. Everyone's going to have their own opinion. Everyone's going to think, okay, well, you should do it this way. I learned that a long time ago. No, if you want to remain authentic, <laughs> I've learned to look at what's out in the market, um, not copy it, but know exactly what to aim for, for that level of perfection, whether it's mixing, mastering, singing, because the sound continues to evolve and change. So that's something that I've always been um, cognizant of as this journey continues with me. But that's one of the things also that I've had to overcome. I didn't want my songs to sound dated. I didn't want my songs to sound as though they were back in the eighties and nineties, you know, like what's a current sound. So I try to write songs that really don't have an expiration date, if that makes any sense. Um, so if someone were to redo them again, it would still, you know, flow out in the industry now. I love that. And what might be an example of one of those songs that uh, you can uh, delight us with? I would say it would be Let It All Go, which features Nikki Potts from the Kirk Carson. It's like that song is also one of my favorite songs. This can be some of the most helpful advice and information. It seems like such a paradox that someone who can be so accomplished and so in the public eye still needs to be able to stay in their creative space and juggle a quite complex juxtaposition. On one hand, being free-spirited, creative, and open enough to be able to receive and interpret uh, their sound, their music, their talents, their um, inborn nature to just provide to others spiritually, mentally, musically, and otherwise, but by the same token, constantly chatteled in a world that has all of these negative factors that you described um, and something that can't be avoided. And for many artists, that may be something that's hard to really hear and not take personally. And certainly we could look to examples without calling out names where some of those arrows and darts really permeated that, that beauty of a shell, that creative spirit, that youthful voice, and, and sometimes even prematurely extinguished it. So I really think that you bring us a lot of pearls in not only having lived it, but really being honest and comfortable sharing with us, which we love about ways that you, you fight it. Again, maybe not necessarily complete cure, but that you, as you stated, open your eyes, um, remain open to um, new endeavors, going overseas, which certainly could be intimidating um, for many people as an artist. Um, tell us about where you feel you're going and things are heading in terms of your growth, not only uh, as a musician, but also just in being able to, to share the things that you've learned along the way. Yes, I'd love to. Um, I think it's important that we as individuals, let me make it personal, that I, on my journey, continue to do therapy. So 
I've learned that I have to flush out all the negativity that I had been forced to absorb all those years. Um, so I still go to therapy now. I, I'm, I'm therapy advocate. Go work on yourself um, because it makes a difference. You know, otherwise, if you continue to keep the same views, the, the same toxicity that has gotten you to this space and you haven't let things go and healed from past hurt, it's almost like you're on a hamster wheel. And I, I've never wanted to be on a hamster wheel. I've always wanted to reach my full potential, which meant, okay, Anthony, you see the roadblocks up ahead. How can you jump those roadblocks, you know, in, in regards to finding uh, someone to invest in my projects or someone to help move it along? Okay, well, fine. I made a deal with myself at 26. If I didn't, if I wasn't financially set, I'm going right back to school. So um, I was in New York, came back, flew back to LA, and I went immediately to Southwest College and enrolled in school. Um, did a two-year program to receive my associate's degree in entrepreneurship because I still wanted it to be forward-moving as though I, I, I'm, I have to hit this milestone, but I still have to do something that's going to help push me towards my music passion. Did that, then I, I was done with L.A., and I was great. I was, I was doing a lot of stuff in the entertainment industry as far as acting. So I've been on extra, doing extra work and some um, uh, premiere things such as Moesha, Malcolm in the Middle, American Dream, The Shield, and a few other shows. But my time was up. So I relocated to Texas. I was just like, well, what am I going to do in Texas? But I just knew that life was happening. So I, I wouldn't say that I extinguished the dreams of being a big actor as well and music star in, in Los Angeles, but I knew I wanted to have a full life that was fulfilled with owning property, with you know being able to have different experiences and not the same thing. So came to Texas, went back to school again, University of Houston, graduated my um, bachelor's in accounting, and I've been forward moving with, okay, well, how can I increase my financial stability in order to do my projects? And how can I be financially sound in order to give back to the different orphanages that I work with over in the different countries when I travel? So it's been an onward motion of how to eliminate the different stumbling blocks that would hinder me and have me under the control of the other entities that may say, okay, well, I'm giving you this. So now you have to do this. I don't like being controlled. I like calling the shots. I know what it means to be, res be respectful. And I respect everyone that, that I work with, that travels with me on the road. I don't have those issues because I've been through them before. And I don't want that to be my legacy as I continue to do my, the Anthony Faulkner brand throughout the world with those who are able to travel with me. So those are some of the... The, the, the things I put in place to eliminate those different um, obstacles and roadblocks on this journey, which I encourage other people to do. Sure. I love this. And this is one of the main reasons I wanted to be able to speak to you because you're very goal oriented. And despite, like, as you said, and we will all encounter them because life always brings them our way. It's part of the circle of life, um, heartache and joy, um, pain um, and laughter. And being able to say, 
it's okay. I can be comfortable and love myself enough to know that I'm not going to quote unquote always make it in LA with the cost of living there, the intensity, the competition. And then while things may come along, they are not necessarily always going to balance out in terms of the finances. And I have bigger goals for myself. And I don't consider myself in any type of way of not having accomplished because I can use my degree, Houston, and this access that I have to an international stage to accomplish greater things than, than I ever might constantly running after auditions every single day or constantly telling myself that um, it's not over. It, there's, there's still another week, another song, another show, another uh, performance that I can do, um, despite the fact that my bank book or banking account may tell me something different. Exactly. So um, I love that tenacity. Um, as we as we exit, um, give us uh, this last uh, setup for a song that sort of uh, you really feel kind of helps to sort of act as that sort of stepping stone to um, the future. And we know we're looking kind of past COVID and looking forward to um, the music that you're gonna be uh, bringing us uh, in the new year. Yes, this song um, I would like to introduce to you is called I Trust You, um, which is a song that I actually wrote when I moved from L.A. to Houston. Um, I didn't know where my next dime was coming from. I just knew that this was a leap of faith that I had to take, you know. Um, so the song is incredible. Um, I shot that video in, in Los Angeles with Carlton uh, Jordan as the director and the song, I love the video because it touches on different aspects that people have in their lives that they go through, you know, such as cancer, depression, anxiety, um, no, uh, no employment, and just how you gather yourself to, uh, up to trust that tomorrow will be a better day and that if you keep moving, there will be reaction. So there's a there is a reaction for every action. It may be negative, it may be positive, but it's what you put out there, I believe, is what will come back to you. So I'm always saying put out positive energy, put out positive thoughts um, so it can come back to you, even in bad situations. Mr. Faulkner, I can't thank you enough. I really feel that what has happened here today is that we've had a chance to really sort of unravel something that so many musicians that I've worked with and that I've encountered, and, and maybe even you or some of you that may be listening, struggle with all the time. And that is um, self-acceptance um, and self-love that sort of overcomes any of the negativity. It can come in so many different ways. And as you heard from Mr. Faulkner, we are going to face so many ups and downs, so many great experiences. You spoke to the time of uh, being able to be on stage with Andre Crouch, um, juxtaposed with the time that there was no Mr. Crouch. He was carrying you on his wings and you were there and you were the star and you were the one that people had come to see. And yet it brings exhilaration and also potentially a little bit of intimidation. But you were able to pull it together and not let it in any type of way pull you down from not um, experiencing the moment in in it's true essence of what it could be. Another key take home that I love that you brought out was the fact that you realize that you have to be respectful despite being able to have an international platform and sometimes having to make sure the finances work to offset that. 
you realize that we're not the end all be all and need to be accepting not only of other people, but their questions and sometimes even their comments, which may sometimes not always seem the most um, flattering in nature, but realize that we're, we're coming to give. And also we have to be able to receive the fact that it may be something new. It may be something foreign and maybe something that, that, isn't easily accepted. And certainly just overall, in terms of the titles that you have for your songs and that last one that we got to listen to, um, I Will Trust You, I really think it helps set us up for exactly what you talked about, making a huge transition. Um, many people don't look to leave or have to go to a, a place um, that's different than where they may feel their home is, uh, whether it's literally leaving home for the first time or in this case, uh, leaving home the second time. And I really think that um, your inner faith kind of comes across in terms of really being able to to understand that uh, we not, may not be able to fully see exactly how the future is written out, but we can have the faith that if we really believe and trust, as we often say that we trust in God, that we actually do it, we can actually have a manifestation that, that gets us to a, to a place of, of peace and tranquility. I want to let you take us out uh, with your your comments and, and observations because, I mean, this has been delightful for me and, and I really appreciate you kind of digging deep and, and going in there. Well, I appreciate you taking the time, uh, Moshe, to, you know, have an interest in what I've done, uh, my hard work over the years and trying to make a difference in someone else's life. I think it's uh, an amazing combination to have music and medicine because it's being on this this interview with you today really hit home as far as the therapy that is needed for a lot of people, um, the anxiety levels that come into play when you try and reach goals. Because um, sometimes it doesn't always end well, you know, but knowing that with this platform that you have, it's giving people or reminding people of the options that they have for you know, better mental health, you know, and, and, and outlining what mental health is because everyone doesn't know what it is. I didn't know what, what mental health was for the longest because all I needed was Jesus. You know, that's what I was taught. And I didn't, honestly, I didn't know, but there's a whole different world out there that some people may have to be introduced to. So I'm very grateful for this platform and you allowing me to come on and share my two cents um, because I'm immune to rejection, so if they don't like it, I'm okay. <laughs> but thank you so much um, for this opportunity, and I, I really hope that someone is able to grow from this and also enjoy what you've set up. Sure. No, well, definitely. Thank you. And uh, it's a good reminder to um, put a plug in for the crisistextline.org. We'll put it at the bottom of the screen. It's a free service, um, 24-7. It's a texting service available in quite a few countries, primarily here in the U.S., but also in the U.K., Ireland, and Canada. And there's no charge at all. And um, what's great is that it can be done anonymously, and they have 8,000 volunteers that are available. They go through training to help people deal um, with any crisis that may come up in the mental health space um, from the most uh, straightforward to things that certainly are more complex, some of which we touched on today. But I, I'm also so appreciative, not only for your time, but, but your wisdom. I feel like you continue to develop insight and your comfort level of being able to share it not only means a lot to me, but I know it will mean a lot to our viewers. Thanks so much. That means a lot. Thank you. 
Absolutely. Thanks again. Have you ever wondered what actually happens in Congress every day? Stay informed on Capitol Hill's daily happenings with a concise, factual summary of the Senate and House of Representatives activities from the previous session, free from bias, on the Congressional Record Daily Digest podcast. Subscribe on your favorite podcast platform and discover the process from the heart of U.S. politics. The Congressional Record Daily Digest, an Electricast production. Are you a fan of classic cinema or a young person who wants to discover the best films of all times? Do these legendary movies still hold up? On the Generation Film Podcast, two guys who grew up when movies dominated the culture share a great film with a panel of young movie lovers and see how it plays for today's generation. We discuss changes in storytelling, styles, representation, the making of each film, its initial reception, and how its meaning has changed over the years. Join us as we explore cinema classics across generations on Generation Film. Electric acid.